Hello everyone, and welcome back to Nature's Finest, your destination for hiking and recreation destinations. Of course, this is part two of this special three-part episode in which we cover the Cumberland Gap area, right around the Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, tri-state area. Last time, we talked about the stunning, simple, and vast beauty of Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. Definitely one of my favorite places ever. And in visiting that park on this podcast, we traversed mountains, valleys, ridges, hollers, and everything else. It's a truly beautiful park, and I sure do hope you'll visit sometime. This time on Nature's Finest, we're going about 10 miles north of Cumberland Gap to another place that's got its own brand of simple, stunning beauty. I'm talking about a mountain that towers over the town of Pineville, Kentucky. And this mountain's got a chain on it, uh, an actual chain, like you'd wear around your neck or anything else. But it's a really big chain that is said to hold the rockets connected to in place and protect it from rolling down the mountain onto the town. Beyond that, there are plenty of overlooks and just amazing views all the way through the park. Today, we're going to talk about Pine Mountain State Resort Park in Pineville, Kentucky. Pine Mountain is a surreal, cozy mountain escape that will make a perfect retreat for the whole family. With a lodge that's got a restaurant and dare I say, a damn good one at that. A laundry list of recreation activities and comfortable accommodations. There really is no better place to spend a week or a weekend. Uh, Myself, I've done both. Pine Mountain is one of the three parks, as you know, that I'm covering in this three-part episode. Last time was Cumberland Gap, of course, and next time will be Wilderness Road State Park over on the Virginia side of the region. So, you not only have Pine Mountain, but you're going to have two other parks nearby for a seemingly endless amount of things to do, which is even more incentive, of course, to head over there and check it out. Now, a little bit about the park. Pine Mountain State Resort Park first opened up in 1924. Interestingly, Pine Mountain is Kentucky's very first state park, which, for someone like me, who's a little bit biased, might say it was the start of something wonderful. Around 1930, the regionally famous Chain Rock attraction was added to the park, when the CCC hauled a chain to its current location and used it to chain a giant rock to Pine Mountain itself. 
And there's, of course, a folklore that goes along with that, which suggests that the rock is chained to the mountain in order to prevent the rock from rolling down the mountain and crushing the town of Pineville. Over the years, numerous improvements have been made to the park, including the addition of nine one-bedroom cottages in the 30s, and then in the 60s and 70s, they added a new wing to Herndon J. Evans Lodge, as well as some two-bedroom cottages. Today, 30 lodge rooms and about 20 cabins are available to rent. More on those in a few minutes. Now I'd like to take a few minutes and fill you in on what the park offers. It's a resort park, and an amazing one at that, so there is absolutely no shortage of fun for the whole family. Pine Mountain has basketball, miniature golf, it has an 18-hole golf course, nationally ranked. Beautiful hiking trails, I love the hiking trails. There's swimming, scenic roads to drive on, scenic overlooks to stop at, beautiful picnic areas that have shelters, grills, I believe one has a bathroom. But hikers will really be delighted by the 12 miles of trails that are offered at the park. Technically, not technically, there's more than 12 miles because there's one trail that continues beyond the park boundary onto private land and a section of that trail is open to the public uh, because of the generosity of that landowner. More on that in a few minutes as well. These trails vary in distance and difficulty, but scenic is the key word, and it could be applied to any activity that you do, any amenity you take advantage of. Whether you're on one of the trails, playing a game of golf, grilling out, Wherever you are, you're going to have an amazing view to take in. Aside from the hiking, one of my favorite activities is the mini-golf. It's a bit charming, nostalgic. I'll admit, some of the infrastructure could use just a little duct tape, maybe a coat of paint. But the course was more than playable, it was very enjoyable, and... Who's really going to complain about mini-golf on top of a mountain? Who could find anything bad about that? The overlooks are also absolutely to die for. Every single one. Some of them can be accessed by car. Some of them are just a short walk from a parking space. And there's one, the Chained Rock Overlook, that is only accessible by trail. And I'll, I'm going to be talking about chained rock in just a few minutes as well when I talk about some of my favorite trails in the park. Another amenity that the park offers, of course, being a resort park, is the lodge, Herndon J. Evans Lodge, where 30 rooms are available, also about 20 cottages. There is a campground, but there really isn't. As of the airing of this podcast, it was closed indefinitely back in 21 for some major repairs. They're redoing the whole thing. I think they were hoping to have it open this year, but with supply and demand and everything right now, 
I would say 2023 is a better guess that I would have. I don't know what they're thinking at this point. But the lodge is also home not just to the 30 lodge rooms, but also home to a wonderful dining room that has some of the best uninterrupted views of that section of the Cumberland Mountains that you'll find in the entire lodge. Not to mention the food is awesome, which really helps. Great service, quick friendly. The prices are pretty decent. And my personal favorite is the catfish dinner. They bread it in cornmeal, they fry it, it's really good. They serve it with hush puppies, fries, slaw. I always get Tabasco for dipping, it's excellent. It's simply one of the best meals you can get after a long day of hiking. It really is. But they do also have burgers, open-faced sandwiches. They make a hot brown pizza. So everybody will find something they like. It may also be worth mentioning that this dining room also offers breakfast. I've had the biscuits and gravy. It is outstanding. And also, this is worth mentioning, for dinner, be sure to order your favorite wine, beer, or cocktail with dinner, because there is a full-service bar at Pine Mountain, and in the dining room you can also order drinks from the bar. It's a nice little touch after a long day of hiking or other recreation. You can wind down with a good meal and have your favorite drink too. Now, I talked a good bit about the area last time when we got into Cumberland Gap, but I'll take another few minutes and re-familiarize you with the area. Other lodging options, dining, things to do, things like that. So, if you listened to the Cumberland Gap episode... I did discuss the area in full detail, so anything I miss, you'll definitely be able to get from that episode. So, Pine Mountain is about 10 minutes north of Middlesboro, Kentucky, where there are plenty of lodging and dining options if you don't wish to stay at Pine Mountain or if they're booked up. Middlesboro has a Holiday Inn Express, as well as a couple other hotels nearby. The neighboring town of Cumberland Gap in Tennessee has its own hotel, as well as a few cafes. You might remember my testimonial on the Gap Creek Coffee House, which is outstanding. That'll be about 15 minutes from Pine Mountain. About 20 minutes from Pine Mountain is a campground that is in Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. So if you don't mind a commute and you'd rather camp, that'll be a good campground op option for you. I will say that I've stayed in Middlesboro and I've stayed at Pine Mountain. I have yet to do the camping. But I've done the other two more times than I can count, and my hands-down favorite is Pine Mountain. 
the lodge, the cottages, they're extremely clean. The prices really aren't that bad, and of course the money goes to the park, so the way I see it, it's a win-win. Now Pineville, which is less than a stone's throw from Pine Mountain, you leave out the exit and hang a left and it's right there, has a pharmacy, there's a few fast food places, there's a great pizza place called Sauced. And it's like Chipotle, how everything's laid out and you tell them what you want. And they make fantastic pizzas. It gets made right in front of you. The service is quick. You're out as quick as you were in. And up the road a little more, there's a fantastic little diner called Ingles. And you haven't had a burger until you've had an Ingles burger. It is awesome. I usually get a double cheeseburger with bacon, ketchup, and onion with a side of curly fries. It's my favorite thing to get there. It is absolutely mind-boggling how good it is, and the prices are great. It's at the north end of town on US 25. Actually, it's like right on 25, literally on the roadside. And it's a hair north of the hospital. Once you're past the hospital... You should see it pretty much immediately. So, Middlesboro, Cumberland Gap, and neighboring Harrogate, Tennessee, off just to the south, all have a few places to eat at, but in my opinion, some of your best choices in the entire area in terms of food are going to be right there in Pineville, just a quick five-minute drive from the park itself. Shopping... If you like to do recreation and shopping trips kind of tied up into one, I do that sometimes myself. Shopping's a little bit more limited in this neck of the woods. It's a pretty remote area. A lot of the retail and a lot of the economic boom kind of took off with the coal and the railroads. But there is a mall, and it has a couple of shops that are pretty cool. There are maybe one or two little antique stores scattered about. But you're really not going to this area for shopping. It's pretty much a, a getaway destination, in my opinion. I usually don't go to this area with the intention of doing any shopping, at least not to a extreme extent, if you will. Now, another thing that might sound familiar from last time is the art of getting to the area, which I went over last time also, but I'll go over it again just for the sake of convenience. Doesn't make sense to turn off this episode and turn on another just to see what goes where. But US-25 is one of two main highways going through this little tri-state region. You also have US-58, which comes out and meets the tri-state from Virginia, and it intersects with 25E just southeast of the Kentucky-Tennessee-Virginia tri-state border. If you arrived in this general area, whether you were heading to Pine Mountain, Cumberland Gap, doesn't matter. 
you either took 25E or 58 to get there, or at least to finish getting there. Your closest interstate exit, I would say, is going to be Interstate 75 exits for Corbin, Corbin, Kentucky. It's about 45, maybe 60 minutes north. And getting off at Corbin and following 25E down to Pineville, Middlesbrough, it's probably going to be your best bet. You can go out to Williamsburg and catch a state route that runs east-west, connects you to Pineville, actually just north of Pineville. But that's a little bit more windy. It's a lot more scenic. It takes you through some farmland. It's like 35, 40 mile an hour. So that's something you do if you have more time. I encourage you to try it if you have more time. I want to say that was State Route 90 or 92. You know me. I always say take the back roads. Personally, I love 25E the most, though. My family and I have been using the highway for 10 years or so now. And we fall more and more in love with it every time it's a part of our route. We've used it to go to all the way down to Newport, Tennessee. We've used it just to get to Pine Mountain, Middlesboro. And we even drove down it a ways from Cincinnati pursuing the US 25 yard sale. So we're just really partial to that highway, especially when the alternative is Interstate 75. Not our favorite. It's not the most dangerous. It's not the least dangerous. It's certainly not the most scenic. And another advantage you get is taking 25E, which cuts through parts of the Daniel Boone National Forest. So if you're that far north of Pineville on 25E, that you're in the forest for a minute, watch out for the sides of the road for signs pointing to campgrounds and trails. You might discover something else you love on the way. Speaking of trails, we're just about to shift gears into some of my favorite hiking trails at Pine Mountain, but I need to communicate just how difficult it's going to be to put into words how beautiful these trails are. But despite that, I'm going to try because these trails are more than worth talking about. I'm going to take you through a few of my favorites at Pine Mountain, but believe me when I say every single trail is worth checking out. I've actually done every single trail in this park, and they are all fantastic. The first trail I'm excited to talk about, more than excited to talk about, is the Clear Creek Hollow Trail which was actually a railroad in its former life. It's now one of Kentucky's rail trails. This path is in a holler, as we like to say in Kentucky, at the base of Pine Mountain. It stays pretty cool down there. A lot of tree cover, nice creek right there, pretty shaded in between mountains. Doesn't get too hot most of the time. It's usually at least a few degrees cooler than up higher on the mountain. And even on some of the 
warmer summer days, you might even find that there's a slight chill to the air in the evening. The trail itself is pretty flat, almost completely flat. It spans about 4.8 miles, and it is an out and back. It's got three access points. One is from Asher Clear Creek Road. It's a little side road off of State Park Road, which is the main drag that you take from 25 into the park. Pine Mountain, that is. And while there might be a place or two to stick a car without anyone noticing or caring, I did notice that where you might put a car almost kind of looked like it could be a second driveway or some guest parking for a house that was maybe 100 or 200 feet away. So I actually didn't end up parking there when I discovered that. But there are two other points that you could park at pretty easily, pretty feasibly. One is on the opposite end of the trail from Asher Clear Creek, which is Highway 190. This is where the trail terminates. This is the point on Kentucky 190 where you're either driving into or out of Kentucky Ridge State Forest on that road. There's some parking right there by these two tower-looking structures on either side of the road. There's a little bit of gravel. I believe there might even be a couple of picnic tables. And there's a place to put maybe four or five cars on either side of the road. And you'll notice a sign kind of greeting you to Kentucky Ridge. And there's a trail, almost looks like it's been driven on, on the side of the road opposite the Clear Creek Trailhead. Now that's an easement. You hike on it a little bit to get to Trail 1 in the State Forest, but it's also somebody's driveway. So, kind of an interesting situation there. I went back about a quarter to a third of a mile, but... When I went back there, it had just rained a bunch, maybe inch and a half, two inches. So everything was pretty sloppy, pretty muddy, and I decided to call it quits and go back to Pine Mountain because there, most of the trails are up on the mountain, and it's really sloped, so the rain runs right off. But anyways, the parking that's right there, I've seen cars parked there before, I generally don't use this parking area either, but it is probably the ideal place to park if you're looking for a true out-and-back experience. But the third area is where I usually park, and this is on Clear Creek Road, a.k.a. Route 1491, right across the street from Clear Creek Baptist Bible College, which is a beautiful campus. And it's just about right in the middle of the Clear Creek Hollow Trail. It's a little parking lot. And I'll usually park there. Like I said, it's roughly in the middle. Hike out and back one side, and then hike out and back the other side. Might increase the distance a little. I haven't really done the math to see. 
but it's a great opportunity because you go out and back and then you cross and go out and back the other way. You pass by your car. It's a great opportunity to take a break if you want to or need to, refill your water, get a snack, whatever. If you forgot to put on sunscreen but you have some in the car. So that's how I usually do that trail. It's my favorite way to do it. I think I've only done it truly out and back once. Elevation gain is almost non-existent. You're pretty much on flat ground. I guess technically there might be incline, but it's nothing you feel. It's just a really easy gravel trail. Clear Creek itself runs along the trail, and there are opportunities for fishing, provided you have a license. The creek is almost always flowing. It sounds awesome. It's very peaceful. It rages almost like a river at, at points, especially one point right after you pass through what used to be an old railroad tunnel. It's definitely picture-worthy, but the sound of it is so peaceful, it's just definitely hands down one of my favorite things to hear. Lining the trail on either side will be plenty of hemlocks, pines, ferns, and other common plants, trees, bushes that you saw up on the mountain. And it makes for amazing scenery no matter what time of the year it is. This could be one of two great warm-up trails before you hit some of the harder ones up higher on the mountain. There is one thing to keep in mind, however. A decent part of this trail is privately owned and maintained. You'll know when you get to that part because there are signs that say end of state maintenance, state park maintenance, something like that. This part of the trail is open to the public, but I'm mentioning the private ownership for two reasons. One reason is because it may not be counted towards the trail mileage that you might see on the park map. I'm not even sure if they put that trail on the park map anymore because even the part that is state-maintained, it's shared. The ownership and the maintenance is shared with Clear Creek Baptist Bible College. But that privately owned section, if, say, it was two miles, then it might only say 2.8 miles and not 4.8 miles on the trail map. But it is 4.8. It's just that about, I would say, a third, maybe slightly more of it, is privately owned and maintained. The other reason I wanted to mention it is because if you happen to bump into the person who owns the land, you might consider thanking him for keeping the trail open and keeping it beautiful. He certainly doesn't have to, but he does. And as a result, there is a very nice, nearly five-mile long trail at Pine Mountain that's open for public use. It would be a lot less than five miles otherwise. Anyways, the other great warm-up trail that I love to use at Pine Mountain State Resort Park is the Azalea Trail, which is over by the Laurel Amphitheater. This is a very pretty trail, also home of the Fat Man's Squeeze, 
which is a little cave-like rock structure, rock formation, that is extremely tight to pass through, hence the name. And if you take it, you'll go through the rock onto the other side, where there's a small detour, a bit of an alternate route, you might say, that goes on for maybe a couple hundred feet before meeting back up with the main trail. Regardless of whether you go that way or the main route, the Azalea Trail runs about a half a mile, and it's a loop, so you'll end where you started at, which is, I would say, maybe a few hundred feet from the entrance to the parking lot to the amphitheater. But anyways, about halfway through the trail, you'll pass by one of the really awesome picnic areas, which is right next door to the amphitheater too. And there are bathrooms there on the other side of the amphitheater. Azalea Trail undergoes a considerable amount of elevation change before you get to that point, though. You bottom out at just under 1,100, 1,092, roughly, and you top out at 1,170. And while that's not a massive elevation change in theory, the ups and downs really aren't gradual, and it seems like you hit the highs and lows a pretty good amount given the short distance of the trail. If you hang a left, the loop you can when you start the loop you can go straight or you can go left. If you go left, you pick up almost all the elevation like right there within a quarter mile. And then you're just up and down and up and down probably 50-75 feet at a time. And Another really cool thing about this trail is that right next to the Fat Man Squeeze, actually, it's kind of part of it, there's a small creek, body of water type of thing, and it goes through and under these rock formations. Kind of almost reminds me of Hocking Hills in a way. I don't know why. And there's a couple of waterfalls. It sounds really nice. They're not huge waterfalls. They're just little kind of technically waterfalls. But it sounds nice, it looks really cool, because you're taking pictures of this water that's flowing under this huge kind of cave-like rock thing. And that follows along the trail for a good five to 700 feet, maybe just slightly more. So, if I start the day in Pine Mountain, as opposed to the other parks in the area, chances are this is the trail I'm starting with as a warm-up, because even though it's only half a mile... If you stretch before you do it, and then you kind of do it with a bit of energy, enthusiasm, keep a certain pace, by the time you're done, you feel as though you're ready for something a little bit more difficult, which is good, because the next trail I'd like to talk about is a bit of a challenge. I'm really excited to tell you about it. So if you're looking for a nice kind of half-day hike, maybe not even half a day. There are plenty of opportunities for you to consider linking a few trails together. A lot of the trails at Pine Mountain intersect, which allows you to create your own routes. One such route, which is one of my favorites, I've done it a few times now, is the Rock Hotel Loop to Timber Ridge Trail to Chain Rock. These three trails consist of one loop, the Rock Hotel, 
and two out and back trails. Rock Hotel is a roughly one mile loop that features a rock formation that animals are known for using as shelter when the weather is a little less than pleasant. It's quite a sight to see because it's just so huge and there's so much coverage. A person actually, a few people, a good group of people could take cover under this rock in rainy weather if they really wanted to. And signage will guide you to the rock hotel. It'll tell you, the signs will tell you how to follow the loop if you want to see that. And if you follow the signs, it'll have you hang a left once the there's a little connector before you get to the actual loop part. And you'll go left once the loop starts. The first thing you'll see is the Rock Hotel. It's within maybe a third of a mile. But once you've seen the Rock Hotel, you continue on the trail for a short distance, and you come across a marked intersection. Following the Timber Ridge sign means turning left if you're coming from the Rock Hotel side of the loop. So once you turn left, you're on the Timber Ridge Trail now. Now where Rock Hotel was somewhat easy, and takes somewhat easy with a grain of salt, Timber Ridge will be a lot more taxing. A majority of the 791 feet of elevation you'll gain on this route will be gained on the Timber Ridge Trail which is a one-mile connector trail with no direct roadside or parking lot access. There are some steep areas on this trail, and when you're going from Rock Hotel to Chained Rock, it's all uphill, with only one or two flat areas for you to take a break. There are, however, a few nice overlooks. With that said... One of them is a bit hidden. I'll talk about that in a second. The first couple of overlooks or overlook opportunities you'll have will be at the top of a rock formation that you will climb about a quarter, maybe three-tenths of a mile into the trail. The other is kind of at a... It looks like an intersection you'll come across and you'll think, oh, is there a spur trail? But if you turn left. If you're heading towards Chain Rock, it'll be a left turn. And you'll actually find out it's about a 50-75 foot walk to another rock that you can look out over and have a different perspective on the view that you had up atop the rock formation. There's a nice kind of low area that you get a view of from these overlooks. It's really cool. Another spot where you kind of feel like you're on top of the world, even though you know you're not by a long shot. The Timber Ridge Trail is marked. A lot of the trails either have pretty consistent signage or trail markings. Some of the shorter ones might not. There are some trails that are three-eighths, half a mile. Those might not be marked as well, but they're so short, it doesn't really need it. The trail is pretty obvious. It doesn't really get overgrown or anything at any point. But the Timber Ridge Trail is marked, because there are a couple of spots where you might deviate or get lost. But while the occasional tree may be marked, 
It's blue markings, by the way. Blue paint. Little blue circles painted on things. Most of the trail markings are going to be on that rock formation. That's going to be the most heavily marked area because there's a few places it looks like you can go. But if you follow the blue markers, you'll get across the formation and back onto a dirt trail. And those trail markers are going to be on the ground, painted on the rock. Now, it is a bit of a climb getting up that rock formation. Not an actual rock climb with cr climbing equipment and helmets and... You know, if you're picturing anything remotely like some of the rock climbing opportunities in Utah and down in the Carolinas, this is not what I'm talking about. It's a bit of a climb in that it's very steep, and you'll feel like you programmed a, a, steady, wor a steady long workout on a stair-stepper machine. But once you're up past that and through the rest of the Timber Ridge Trail, which is a fairly moderately difficult mile, you brush up against the Chained Rock parking lot and trailhead. There's an overlook on the other side of the parking lot. Just go up to the parking lot and follow the stairs over by the radio tower. It looks north over Pineville and beyond. It's a very astounding view. However, if you don't go up there, at least not yet, and you continue on your route, Chained Rock Trail will take you on a bit of a downhill journey, which you're going to welcome until it's time to come back up. And you will eventually have to. There's no other way out. The Chained Rock Trail itself is posted to be three-eighths of a mile. The sign's posted said three-eighths of a mile and yeah they use eighths of a mile here I don't get it either but you get used to it after a while so anyways you go downhill for a while and then you start going downstairs lots of stairs I can't begin to tell you how many stairs after that you follow the trail downhill a little longer and you meet with another giant rock formation and there's stairs chiseled into the side once you see that you've actually made it to the chain rock overlook you get up over those stairs and go about 50 75 more feet you'll see the plaque for chain rock commemorating what the ccc did to make that happen and you're gonna figure out very quickly that it is really cool up there it's about 2,100 feet up, but it really makes you feel like you're on top of the world. There are a few areas uh, to climb up and get an even better view, but it doesn't really matter where you are on the Chained Rock Overlook. You are really going to be astounded by what you see. At this point in the hike... You've gone just under two miles, and by the time you follow that exact route back through Timber Ridge and finish the Rock Hotel Loop, which will put you back right where you parked at, you will have hiked just under four miles. Once you get back up the stairs and hills of the Chained Rock Trail and get back to Timber Ridge, 
90 plus percent of the time you're going downhill and you will be very grateful for that. This route takes about two hours or the pace that I keep with my dad when we do it together. It takes about two hours. If you want to, prefer to, or actually physically need to take a little bit longer, I would say three hours is a stretch. I'd say most people should be able to do it within three hours. But two hours is about what I usually take. And, of course, if you hang out at the Overlook at all, a quick two-hour hike could become three, a slower three-hour hike could become four. I've hung out up at the Overlook for a while and had lunch. It was really cool. It was a great experience. I was eating lunch on top of the world, or so I thought. But I really do think two hours, unless you're in really excellent shape, is going to be about as quick as it gets, just due to the difficult stretches of somewhat extreme uphill and downhill. But it's a really wonderful route, and along the way you'll see plenty of pines, azaleas, hemlocks, ferns, white oaks, and just, of course, all the other amazing plant life and, and trees that you've seen along the other trails. Honeymoon Falls is another great trail worthy of a quick honorable mention, coming in around 1.3, 1.4 miles. It's a great trail that is easy to moderate in difficulty, and the work you put in is going to reward you when you come across the actual Honeymoon Falls. It's a beautiful waterfall. It's really cool. It's kind of out in the open and not over a deep body of water, so if you're not afraid to get your feet a little wet or if you have waterproof shoes, you could actually duck your head under real quick and get a nice, refreshing cool-off. But that's a truly awesome trail, and it's worth checking out if you have the time. Other honorable mentions are going to include the Hemlock Garden Trail and the Lost Trail. Although, all the trails at Pine Mountain are absolutely fantastic, so no matter which one you choose, you just can't go wrong. Now, my experiences at Pine Mountain have never been anything but good. You arrive at the park and you get this instant feeling of stepping back in time. In the lodge, it's almost always 70s and 80s music playing, which I was raised on, so that, that feels special. And all of the original character can be found throughout the lodge and the cottages. And not to mention, the trails are just absolutely awe-inspiring. The overlooks will blow your mind. I remember my first time visiting the park when the lodge was open, because my very first time it was closed due to the COVID shutdowns. But I walked in for the first time, and you can see through the lobby, which is the first thing when you walk in. To the back, there's some windows. And straight out those windows, one of which is a door, you can actually go outside, and you just see this beautiful mountain view. It's the same view I described as the mountain view off of the balconies 
in the lodge rooms. But it's just a slightly different perspective. And it was just, it was everything to me. That view just sealed the deal. I didn't have to do a trail, although at that point, of course, I visited during the shutdown, so I'd already done some trails, but I'm sure you know what I mean. But my very first time there, it was, like I said, during the shutdowns, and the lodge was shut down completely except for the first set of entrance doors, and those were only unlocked so that you could reach in that little in-between area between the two sets of doors and grab a map or a brochure on the park because they have a brochure that will break down some of the history and stuff. And other than that, there was absolutely nothing else open and practically nobody else there. There was a trail maintenance employee, some rangers, but that's about it. We pretty much had the whole park to ourselves, me and my dad. That's who I was visiting the area with at the time. It wasn't too difficult to navigate without any services being offered in the park. We just packed out our trash, we left food in the car to eat, and we rented a hotel room in Middlesbrough because, of course, hotels were still open because they were essential or whatever. And uh, there was a construction zone that there was nobody working at the whole time we were there. But that site had a porta potty that we would sneak in and use when we needed to, so we wouldn't have to drive all the way back to the hotel room, which was 10, 15 minutes up the road. And since then, of course, everything has opened back up, and we've had the opportunity to try the lodge rooms, the cottages, and even the excellent food upstairs in the dining room. And even still now, two, three years later, uh, every time we're in the area, Clear Creek Hollow Trail is how we end the day almost every day. We'll do eight to ten miles, sometimes more, of actual hiking and still be done in time to go back to Clear Creek and wrap up the day there. Most of all, everywhere you look, there's always something interesting, breathtaking, or both. And of course, that's on top of the fact that you have the other two parks just right up the road, Wilderness Road State Park and Cumberland Gap National Historical Park. Not that you could ever run out of things to do at Pine Mountain, but it's nice to have two other places to explore because with all three put together, if you're only there two or three days at a time, like I usually am, it'll take you a while to get around to trying all the different trails and all the different activities at all the different parks. So, plenty to do, plenty to discover. You could spend a lot of time in this area and still only really scratch the surface. Of course, there's also Kentucky Ridge, and that might get an episode in the future as well, maybe a bonus episode, but I didn't include it in the three-part episode that I'm doing on the Gap area because 
based on my recollection, there wasn't an overabundance of trails at the park, or forest, I should say. And the trails that are there, I don't quite yet have experience with. So I would have to investigate and possibly do a bonus episode. But I'm sure it's also a great place to visit. I don't think, however, it's nearly as well-developed as some of the other forests in the area, such as Daniel Boone National Forest or, say, Yellowwood State Forest up in Indiana, both of which I have been to and am familiar with the infrastructure of. On that note, I will go ahead and get into some of the things I usually do to start wrapping up the episode, one of which is making you aware of some of the animals that might be in the area. This is very close by in proximity, of course, to Cumberland Gap, so you can make some of the same assumptions. There might be a stray bear wandering around, of course, Mange, unfortunately, like I said last time, has been slowly but surely killing off the already small bear population in the area. But it's still something to look out for. They're not all gone, and they're pretty resilient animals. And, of course, rattlesnakes and copperheads, Kentucky's two signature snakes, you might say. You might find them lurking around in their usual stereotypical spots, so just be careful. As I always say, you can never be too, too careful. This is another park where I've never seen any wildlife like that. Not even a bobcat or anything remotely big, to be honest. I've never even seen a a coyote, to be honest. Just birds and squirrels, just like Cumberland Gap. I heard somebody say they thought they saw a bobcat... And they took off running, which I'm not 100% familiar with bobcat behavior, but I don't recommend running. I don't think that sounds right. And once we got up to the spot where they thought they saw it, we saw absolutely nothing. So take animal warnings seriously, but also with a grain of salt, because while you do have to be on the lookout for them, I cannot guarantee you you're going to see anything that could be threatening to your safety. But again, always good to be on lookout. I just don't think it's going to be like it would be in the Smokies of the Blue Ridge Mountains where bears and, and things like that are a lot more heavy in population. So as we begin to wrap up this episode of Nature's Finest, I want to transition into our segment that introduces one item that I never go hiking without. This week, I want to talk about my pocket blanket. Now that we're getting into late summer, early fall, in Kentucky, that means a lot of those days where it's hot during the day, but it's cold at night, or maybe chilly a little bit. And of course, fall and winter really bring the cold air. So, year-round, really, I keep my pocket blanket in my hiking bag, my day pack, because if you get a chilly summer night and 
you just think, ooh, I think I want to warm up real quick. It's convenient for that, but it's also good in the fall and winter, not only for the same reason, just, ooh, I feel like wrapping up in a blanket and getting all cozy, but also because it doesn't add any weight, so carrying it around in case you get lost or otherwise need to warm up in an emergency situation and stay warm until morning comes and you can see again, maybe you got lost and it got dark, or stay warm until help arrives because you're injured and people have to come to you. A couple of really good reasons to have it because, yeah, sure, after a cold winter hike, maybe it feels good to warm up and get all cozy and stuff, but at the end of the day, your safety is number one or should be number one on your list of priorities when you're out there. And having something that can protect you from the cold air, especially that less than 40, 45 degree air, when you really need to be staying warm, it can be really helpful. I haven't had to use mine yet in a emergency situation. And to be honest, I bought it when it was starting to warm up, so I haven't even had a chance to get it out and see how nice and toasty it'll get me. But I do recommend everybody that hikes year-round keep one of these in their day pack because, like I said, it weighs a couple ounces and it folds up to fit in a little pouch that can fit in your pocket. I mean, if you can carry it in your pocket, you can carry it in your day pack, and something like that you really should. I also recommend an emergency sleeping bag. I personally, I've been meaning to get one, but if I had it my way, I would be going with both an emergency sleeping bag and the pocket blanket because then you got two layers protecting you if you really need it. With that, we have concluded the Pine Mountain State Resort Park episode of Nature's Finest. I really do hope you'll go give that park a visit. It is a thing of beauty. I think it might just be my favorite park I've ever been to. And the food is outstanding. I know I said that already, but it is outstanding. I just want to remind you to do your own research. You know you better than I do. And while I like to think of myself as a pro, I may not necessarily have any certifications to prove it. So I can make you recommendations, but only the pros can tell you exactly what to do. Call the ranger's office, call the front desk, look at a reputable source online. Always go into a park knowing what you're getting into, especially a park like this that's on the outskirts of bear country. Further, always make sure to obey any and all posted park rules and regulations. Sometimes it may make things a little bit more boring than you were hoping for, but those rules are there to keep the park and its visitors safe. Always take note of the fire danger level if you plan on grilling out or burning a fire at your campground. I really appreciate you tuning into this episode. I hope you'll tune into the next one as well. Next time, we're going to 
discuss the third of three parks in this three-part Cumberland Gap Area episode. This time, we're going to hit the historical side of things. We're going to a park that sits just before the Cumberland Mountains, looking up at them. A park where Native Americans once called home, and a park where a fort once stood and still stands today to be demonstrated for any and all visitors who are interested. Nine miles of the original Wilderness Road pass through this park and are maintained as a trail that can be walked, biked, ran, even traversed by horseback. Next time, we're going to visit Wilderness Road State Park in Ewing, Virginia. I'm really looking forward to that episode. It's a beautiful state park, the first park in Virginia that I ever visited. With that, I say to you, the mountains are calling. Are you going to answer? Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.